everyone, and welcome to the Australian Herpetoculture Podcast. I'm your host, Jason. And I'm your co-host, Luke. How you going, mate? Oh, dude, I've been busier than a one-eyed cat looking at three mouse holes. Yeah, right. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good analogy. I like that one. <laughs> I actually learned that one this week, and I've been using it way too much, but yeah, I love yeah. it. <laughs> I was using that busier than a one-armed bricklayer in Baghdad for a while once I heard that one. So. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Some good good sayings out there, that's for sure. That's it. No, how you been? Yeah, good. Flat out as you as per usual. So same old, same old mate. Nothing changes to me. Work's gotten hours have gotten a bit longer, so Jeez. That, yeah. Sucks, but yeah, what about you? Yeah, much much the same. Um we've got uh we're losing one of the guys at work this week, so it's his last week, so we're just trying to wrap up some stuff because he's been a pretty critical team member there. So um yeah, yeah. yeah start, things are starting to chop and change a little bit, which is kind of good. But yeah. yeah, I think think that uh, extra day at the expo, you know, one less day on the weekend, that kind of threw me for a six. So yeah, it did a bit actually because I, I woke up in the morning and it felt like the weekend, but because I, 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 I kind of get up on the weekend anyway around six o'clock, so I kind of got up at what time I usually would on the weekend, and then that drive to Sydney, I'm like, oh, it feels like I'm going back to work. Yeah, through the tunnel and everything else, but it was a great day though. I really enjoyed myself. It was good fun, hey. Yeah, it was good. Um, good meeting a lot of people that I've spoken to online that I've never actually met in person. So, yeah, it was a little bit surreal. I think, like it was, you know, yeah, like um, I've never, never met Luke. How do yep. you pronounce his last name? I always like say it to myself, and I think I stuff it up. I think it's Youngins. Yeah, okay. That's how I was thinking I think. it was. Yeah. I was like, Jongens doesn't sound right. Yeah, I think so. He'll probably he'll probably send us a message when he listens to it. And Yeah, sorry, Luke, if we've butchered this, we're sorry. Yeah, I hope I'm right anyway. So. <laughs> but yeah, no, I met, but, met Luke um, Tyson. Yeah. Tyson was good to yeah. meet from Doc Merton. Um, yeah. Josh Thompson as well. That was really awesome yeah. to meet Josh. Yeah, I've spoken to Josh for a few years and obviously I never realized that he actually lives down in Marimbula and I've done two jobs, I think, down there. I lived down there for six months and I think we might have even been like chatting about geckos and stuff back when I was working down there. So it would have been like if I had known he was there, I could have just caught up from a beer and gone for a herp and everything. So, yeah, yeah that's even that. Yeah. So. No, that was good Good to meet him. I have to give him a quick shout out too because I think Josh yeah. uh, Josh was the first person to purchase something from our Teespring store. So thank you so much, Josh. Really appreciate the support there. And um, yeah, going into the kitty for emergencies and whatever else we got coming on in the future. So yeah. Thanks, mate. Thanks heaps, mate. Yeah, that was good. And all the all the stickers went like hotcakes on the weekend. That was good. So Yeah, they were gone. I think there was little kids yeah. running around with them on their chest advertising us everywhere. Yeah, it was good to see. It's good to see. It's a great turnout, though. There's a lot of people there all day. I thought it might have padded off, uh, like faded out towards the end there, but right up until like one, two o'clock, it was still packed. Yeah, it was massive. Hey, yeah, it was uh, good. I remember you, you turned around to me and it was what, like nine o'clock, and they'd already sold out of bacon egg rolls or something like that. Yeah, or maybe it was ten o'clock or something. But yeah, like, I don't even think it. No, I think it was only eight, eight o'clock or something. The doors had only just opened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I so, think it yeah, was it super been. early. That was crazy. I remember you turning around to me going a couple of times going, you have to check out that food food queue, you know, when I was going to the bathroom or whatever. <laughs> it was just like the yeah. line was just everywhere. That was amazing. Because I, 
had a coffee in the morning. I, I think I had a, a banana bread and that was it. And that was kind of all I ate until I left on the way home, I think. So yeah. Just, yeah, it was absolutely flat out. There were so many people there. It was good. Yeah, I think they were saying that they almost ran out of armbands or something for the day. So they were... Wow, that's that, good. that many people coming through the doors, which is awesome. So hopefully the um, Hawkesbury Herpetological Society made a good day of it. And yeah, definitely massive thanks to them for uh, having us out there and helping us along for the day. It was an awesome day. It was awesome to to meet Colin South and some of the other members yeah. there at the HHS. So thanks, guys. It's really good. Yeah, thanks heaps. And um, we lined up a few guests out of that that um, day as well. So yeah, we scored some good ones. Yeah, some really good ones. So pretty, really excited about those guests. So I think, good. Yeah, as you said the other night, we got to start writing up a calendar or something like that because I think yeah. we've got like 15 or 20 guests lined up now. <laughs> it's, I might so. have to see if Owen and Eric have any of those NPR calendars. I might have to yeah. like, get one so I can write down because you've got a picture in that calendar, I'm pretty sure, don't you? Yeah, I, got my, I got my diamond python in there. I couldn't believe that, to be honest. Yeah, because yeah. I, I, I don't know how I came across it. Like, because I always listen to the episodes, but um, I actually saw a picture today of, of someone that I think maybe follows their podcast page, I think. Hmm. And um, they opened up the picture and it's your picture. Like the picture I saw was your picture with your name. I'm like, I clicked this. That's why I clicked on the on the picture. I was like, oh, the calendar. Maybe I'll get one of them and stick it behind the computer so I can write guests on, on dates so I can, yeah. I can keep, a, keep a note of who it is. I think I've got that hanging up downstairs in my in the garage. So. Because I got I got yeah. sent a copy for for winning the category, yeah. But um, yeah, it's a calendar that I almost don't want to write on just for <laughs> sentimental know. value. Almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think I did the same with one of the old scales and tails calendars. I got a picture in one of them once years ago of a hatch, a baby eastern water dragon, like a wild one down at at Somerset Falls. There, yeah. I'm pretty sure I've got that float around somewhere in my magazine collection. I don't want to, didn't want to write on it because you know my picture was in it, so. Does that calendar line up with the Aussie dates, the NPR one? I don't know. I don't know if I've checked it in that much detail, to be honest. I just flick through the pages, you know, as the months roll over or whatever. Because I kind of get, I'm bad with calendars. I get halfway through a month and I'm like, oh, geez, I've got to swap it over. And then I leave it for two months and then I've got to swap it. And yeah, I'm really bad with it. But yeah, yeah, I have to check that out now. Yeah, no, because I was was curious. I wasn't too sure whether it did line up or not. But, um, I need to get something worked out. Start um, cleaning this shit out and get set up all nice and proper. So I've got the um, enclosure to finish off. So yep. looking forward to that. Picked up a beautiful new light on the weekend off you. So it'll be good to good to see you above your boards. Yeah, be nice and bright. So I like that um, that light you had, the um, LED one. Oh yeah, the uh, that was a Aqua one strip glow one of the plant versions that was quite cool yeah that's really cool i um might have to um buy a few of those i think i was impressed by that yeah i think that'd be all right like especially for your smaller terrariums and things if you ended up doing a few of those like the size that i had there on the weekend those 30 30 45 xos something that's Mm. not like too deep front to back so then you can kind of get you know a nice narrow spread yeah pretty good Mm. no really good so yeah, just to explain to the listeners who maybe aren't uh, kind of picturing what we're talking about, imagine like a 90-centimetre LED unit that's only about 
what would you say about a centimeter tall, like thick? I would sort of thing. I'd say less than a centimeter. Yeah. I reckon. I reckon it was almost almost half. Yeah, like, it's pretty thin. Just over half. Yeah, really yeah. thin. And then what? It's probably about 40, 45 mil wide, something like that. So super yep. super low profile, essentially. Um, and it's actually got like kind of like a, a a touch button to turn it on and off and all the rest of it. It's got three settings that you can then hold the button down and kind of dim or brighten the LED in that particular setting. So depending on which kind of LEDs you want to have running, because there's a few different colors and stuff in there. But yeah, they're a pretty handy little unit. Yeah, I really like it. Really. It made those enclosures look really good too, sitting on the top of those three enclosures you had set up. Yeah. And in that middle enclosure that I had set up, the one that I did for my golden tail gecko, like I've just, obviously everything's at home now. Um, mm. That Croea, that pink flowered plant, it's yep. bud- budding like mad. Like it's already sent out another couple of flowers now. Like it seems oh, to be wow. just loving it. So fingers crossed that that's a good sign that it's not not hating the light or anything yeah. like that, you know. So that'd be really cool that's to get good. something like that super established in that terrarium. Yeah, because I want to um, – so speaking of the expo, you um, gave me some frogs. So I want to um, set up a – like do a nice basically – bioactive terrarium for the frogs so i've got them in, a, in an enclosure at the moment but i want to set up another one and basically i wouldn't mind trying i might buy one of those led lights and, and try it out with with one of them so see how it goes with the plants in that yeah so oh, they they do a um 45 centimeter version of that light so if you do want to just buy that light for that particular tank then at least you can get like a nice little small unit yeah i might i might try that actually yeah. So, because I've got a couple of jungle dawns here, but you know, I'm keen to try other things that um, a little bit cheaper. You know, technology is getting better, so yeah, be interesting to see how it goes. And I just love how slimline that was, and how like sleek it looked. Super, super sleek. Like I think if you were to do like a one of those sixty centimeter exoterras, mm. a forty five centimeter unit would sit like perfectly flat in that mesh section and it wouldn't even yeah. be raised above like the top of the plastic around the exoterra either. No, not at all. Yeah. Real flush. Really neat. So, yeah. but yeah, no, love these, um, these red eyes. They're stunning. They're probably one of my favorite frogs. I bought them home. The missus was like, Oh my God, I love frogs. And then I started showing her the pictures from all the, um, the ones that, um, OCD reptiles had. Yep. And she's like, Oh, you could have bought one of them home. I'm like, Oh, God. <laughs> I could still get one if you want one. And she's like, oh, no, maybe because we want to do a bit of an extension in like a couple of years. And she goes, oh, maybe we're doing the extension. We can set up a nice big one and have a couple yeah. in there inside. So, Yeah, those guys had some uh, magnificent tree frogs there and they were like decent yeah. size too. They were kind of like, you know, 50 mil long. So they were well and truly established. Beautiful frogs. Yeah, and they had those um, nice two nice enclosures set up too. Yeah, I don't know. Did, did you notice that as you walked around – like as we were kind of wrapping up, they had like an Instagram handle on that small little moss tank that was there. I did, but I didn't get what it was. I when I walked around, I'm like, oh, damn, I should have got what that was because I wanted to Yeah, I, look. I started following it. Let me find it for you because I will give them a shout out because this terrarium was really, really beautiful. It was a little, well, that was a 30 centimeter cube, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, what was it? Yeah, it was just lined with moss. It was stunning. So, Absolutely stunning. 
their Instagram handle. I don't think they've actually posted anything yet, but I think they're basically just kind of getting their name out there. But their Instagram handle is Biota Studio. So that would be interesting to see what they come up with because it was a stunning little tank. It would have been perfect, I reckon, for like my common eastern froglets or something like that. They would have been going really well in there. Yeah, I just followed them then on Instagram. So cool. yeah, no, it was absolutely stunning. And they the big one they had there it was I think it was the boys' forest dragons. Yeah, I think. That yep. was um stunning too. So yeah, that was unreal. It was good to just get out, you know, and, and see people. Like that was what the first expo in fourteen months, I think you were saying. Yeah, yeah. That's everyone, like that was mental. Yeah, and everyone was so excited to be out as well. I reckon, like, yeah, there's a lot of purchasing going on on all sorts of products and and everything going. Yeah, out there. animals. Like the amount of containers I saw with like snakes and blue tongues and um, everything else in it. Mm. I'll tell you what, it was good. It was really good to see. Yeah. The retail stores were packed as well. Yeah, Extreme Pets. Extreme Pets was pumping out the stock, Mm. that's for sure. Yeah. And what about you? Did you uh, pick anything up from the expo, mate? (laughs) Yeah, you definitely know it. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I know. We were, uh, Jason and I were set up reasonably early. I think we were kind of done and dusted essentially by 7.45. So we were doing a couple of hot laps to kind of see what was out there. See what was there, see if we could get the good stuff first. Yeah, I I think I snagged a couple of little chunks of gold to be quite honest. So as we were walking around, I almost passed this table. I think it was Terry Reeves and I want to say the other fellow's name was John Rigby, I think, Mm. if I can remember his license details correctly. But yeah, John... He had a clutch pair of Moritz leaf-tailed geckos on his table for a really reasonable price too. So, yeah, I uh, spent all my pocket money at once and bought both of those guys because I've been hunting for those for a little while now after I bought that last one off you. So, yeah, yeah really, really, really stoked to have that. Do you, you know the thing that amazed me even more than the geckos themselves? Like, don't get me wrong, this doesn't take away from the geckos whatsoever, but this this gentleman's like... Without being brewed, I want to say he's in his late 60s, early 70s. Like he's, mm. uh, uh, you know, he's been around the hobby for a fair while and knows his stuff. He showed yeah. me photos. Did he show you the photos of his terrain? Yes. Yeah. 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 This guy had a completely decked out bioactive terrarium without, I don't think he knew what bioactive was, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like I think he's yeah. just tried to do it himself and he's just, he's had fun doing it. And this enclosure was absolutely stunning. It was a perfect little example of a rainforest. And he was cohabitating the Moritz leaf-tailed geckos with angle-headed dragons. Wow, that's amazing. So he's like, I'm getting the best of both worlds. i got the diurnal dragons. Yeah. They're hanging out there. And then once the dragons go to sleep, the leaf-tails come out. So he just keeps pumping food into the terrarium and they coexist quite happily. Yeah, I always wanted to do a setup like that. With um, Cohab, I thought of maybe um, some forest skinks and maybe some chameleon geckos or something like that, but I just never got around to doing it. But, um, yeah, and some of the pictures he had, like, just in that folder were un- unbelievable. It was, it was yeah. good to see. It was really good to see. Someone that, like, obviously cares about their animals as well. Yep. Like, to, to bring along the folder and show pictures of, of all the different animals and, like, the parents and everything else, it was unreal. Yeah, it was quite, it was quite good. He, yeah, I remember he turned around and he's like, oh, do you know what you're doing with these things? I was like, oh, I think I've got a bit of a rough idea, you know, and I was starting to show him a few photos of my setup and he's like, yeah, no, you got this. Like, it's all good. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. I, didn't, no, I wasn't trying to be cocky or anything like that, but I was just trying to like, you know, 
share the love and you know who's showing me awesome photos his terrariums i wanted to show him some of my work as well so yeah both appreciating each other's work yeah but um it was good to see no it was really good and then um i wanted to um i wanted to have a chat with darren gale from top end pythons but i didn't get a chance to um to get in there and have a chat because he had some good stuff on his table too they were smashed. I think I saw a post today actually saying that they sold out of pretty much everything that they had at the expo. Wow, that's good. That's really good. Yeah. Because I know when when we walked around after, there's still quite a few animals on display. Yeah. But um, no, that's good. Yeah, I wanted to stop in and have a chat with him, but um, I didn't get a chance to, so I might have to do it over social media. But it would have just been good to have that face-to-face chat too. So. Yeah, Darren's a good guy. He... um. Oh, when I first kind of got back in, well, got into the hobby and I first started keeping snakes, he was actually one of the first guys that I used to buy rodents off. And he yep. um, he actually used to just deliver them to my door. So I just have to wake up early in the morning because he was usually worked in Chatswood and he'd kind of do like a run out this way every now and then. Yep. And I'd get up at like, I don't even know what time it was, like 5.30, 6 o'clock or something like that, which is early for me. And uh, yeah. yeah, go and meet him out the front in my pajamas, buy my rats. <laughs> Put them in the freezer, go back to bed. Good yeah. to go. How good yeah. is that? So. But, yeah, no, it would have been good to have a chat with him. So talk about some green tree pythons. That's what I wanted to talk about. But anyway, that's yeah. later on. Yeah, green tree, so. Yep, yep. How are yours going? Yeah, they're doing good. I haven't seen yep. them mating for the last couple of days, but I did see them mating earlier last week. They've. Yep. I think I've that's lost. That's a few now, isn't it, too? Yeah, it's like between 12 to 15 locks, I'd say, I've seen. Wow. So it's pretty solid. Um, yeah. The females just had a shed, which I'm I'm thinking, I could be wrong, but I'm thinking it's a pre-ovulation shed. So she's uh, looking nice and pretty right now. So this uh, actually yesterday I shoved a whole bunch of leaf litter right against the back wall mm-hmm. in that enclosure in both kind of corners. So there's just like big piles of leaf litter in there and I put some sphagnum moss in with it and stuff. So... I can kind of just, you know, spray it down, have like a little bit of an area yeah, that she might might want to kind of nest in potentially because yeah. the enclosure is pretty dense. So I'm kind of thinking I don't need to put a box in there. And with all the branches and everything, it's a bit bit kind of hard to do so. So I wanted to yeah. give her some sort of medium that she could potentially nestle into. Fingers crossed. Oh, man. And then the fun yeah. part's getting them feeding. <laughs> I just want to get them out. You know, like I, I, yeah. if I... If, this is the furthest I've gotten now. If I get eggs, then that's the next step. If I happen yeah. to get that, then, you know, that's a win. And hopefully that doesn't tank out. But if I was able to get some neonets out, then... That'd be unreal. Oh, man. I've got a... I'll have to make another rack up again. I've got tons of storage tubs, like the little kind of like snake hatchy tubs and stuff in storage. I think when I was tearing down all my racks, I kind of just thought, you know what, I'm going to save this plastic. Yeah. Reuse it, reuse it one day. So I've still got like, I want to say like 30 or 40 like five liter tubs in storage. Yep. So I'll just have to build the actual rack itself. And I've still got tons of heat cords and stuff kicking around. So Yeah. Well I cleaned out my storage shed the other day and found another ten exoterra enclosures. So <laughs> you've been showing me those photos and he's like Jason was like, Do you need any more exoterras? And I was like, if I had room, I physically would. But yep. uh, yeah, your whole shed looked like it was full of them. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> Floor to ceiling stacked. So not, about those, huh? so not only does Jason hoard books, but he also hoards exoterras, in particular 30 by 30 by 45s for anyone looking. But, yeah, uh, they were perfect for Strophurus, so Yeah. 
and hatchling leaf tails and everything else. So, actually, speaking about books, because I don't think I showed you this yet, um, and seeing as you were taking a fair while to get your your young fella down, I sat here for the last forty five minutes reading this. Oh yeah, how is it? It's awesome. So for the listeners at home, I'm just holding up the copy of Wild Habitats: A Natural History of Australian Ecosystems by Alan Fox and Steve Parrish. Um, yeah, I'm getting some real good inspiration at the moment because I want to want to start. Well, I have started, but I want to start getting a few more bits and pieces together for my Boyd's build. Yeah. So I've been hitting that rainforest section up pretty hard, actually. But, yeah, um, you sent me a video today of um, on your when you went for a walk. Yeah, yeah. So I went out and harvested some natural uh, pieces, shall I say? Got myself some nice logs and bits and pieces for the the Boyd's enclosure. So nice. I need to do the same so I can finish my one off. I need to um, sort of background and have time to do it. But I just yeah, I'm looking forward to it. yours. Yeah, yours are going to come out really good. It's a good size enclosure too. I th- I think like if you were to do it by liters, it'll be pretty similar to yours. Yeah. So I think Jason's Jason's enclosure is going to be a smidge higher than mine, but mine's going to be a smidge wider. So yeah. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, I think it almost works out the same amount literage wise. Yeah, not not far from it, but um, yeah. uh, unlike yours, mine is going to be heavy as all sorts. So, <laughs> that's yeah, I, yeah, I'm I'm kind of building it for a custom size out of form ply. Um, but yeah, got got started on that today. Started cutting the top panel out and so cutting all the holes and things for lights and bits and pieces to go through. Got the Miss King holes in there as well. So, yeah, ready to rock and roll. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, I tell you what. Speaking of books, I um spent a bit of money on at the expo on the weekend buying yeah, more did. books. You did. <laughs> I wasn't going to buy many, but then I saw John Can was there, and I'm like, oh. Obviously, we we both bought along our turtle books so we could sign, and yeah. then I was like, oh, I don't have that book. I don't have that book. And then my mum sends me a text message going, "Hey, mate, your birthday's coming up." Do you want a gift voucher for a shop or do you want money for some books? Because I know you're at the Reptile Expo. I just wrote back, money for books. <laughs> <laughs> That's so then I yeah, bought, bought some books and got them signed by John and it was good. Yeah, I think both, we were both like giddy little schoolgirls getting our turtle books signed. Oh, yeah. We were like lined <laughs> up first people there with our books. It was, like, it was hilarious. But um. And then that, that young fella come up and he said he'd listen to the podcast. Shout out, I can't remember your name, sorry, mate, but shout out to you when you come up and said you just started getting into books because we were talking about him on the, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And then I said he bought um, Mike Mike Swan's um, lizard book. Yep. And then I said, oh, Mike Swan's over there actually, so go over there and, you know, get, get him to give you a signature. And he's like, oh. Oh, cool. Anyway, and I said, oh, he's actually signing a bunch of books on the um, Hawkesbury Herpetological Society's table. And he goes, oh, opens his book and sure enough, he'd bought one that was signed. So he was pretty stoked on that. Yeah, that was good. Uh, yeah. But um, no, it was, it was good just to see a bunch of people come up that listen to the podcast and say, oh, I love, love the podcast, love listening to you guys. It was kind of – there was one point where someone started asking me about um, how my enclosure was going. I was like, scratching my head, how do you know about that? I'm like, oh, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. But like, you can't, like, I just completely forgot that, you know, you do a podcast, you talk about it. Obviously, people are going to listen and they kind of like know what, you, what, you, what you're doing. And then they come up and mention it. And I was like, it's, it's the first time it's ever happened. So I was like, yeah. sitting there scratching my head, going, 
How does he know about that? Oh, oh obviously in there. But no, it was good to meet um, a bunch of listeners, giving us some good feedback and everything else. Hopefully a couple of new listeners are listening tonight. So I've gone and listened to a couple of the older episodes. Yeah, he's hoping. And if you are listening, thanks for joining on board and and uh, giving us your time of night and or whenever you're yeah. listening to this, wherever you are. But um, yeah. yeah, no, it was. Uh, I suppose yeah, for me, I'm a little bit more used to getting a little bit of, you know, how you saw this episode or whatever on YouTube or whatever like that. But it was kind of yeah. funny, funny watching your reactions to <laughs> to some of this. Yeah, it's stuff. like it's the like yeah, because it's the first time it's ever happened to me. I was like, what the heck? How does this person? Know? Oh, I'm like, oh, obviously. Yeah. But um, no, it's good. It's good when you see like people give you a um like a shout out too, like when you're listening to the podcast, we've had a few people on Instagram. I don't know if you can do it on Facebook, but they share stories of like they're sitting or they're listening to their, um, listen to the podcast. Oh yeah. Uh, shout out to Luke Dunn on Instagram. He's, yep. um, he's sitting there enjoying his, um, morning, morning cup of tea, listening to the podcast. That was pretty yep. cool to see. So, you know, if you're listening to it and you have Instagram or Facebook, just, you know, chuck it in your story and tag us and I'll probably repost it. Cause I, you know, it's good to see people listen to the podcast, see what you're doing when you listen to if you're cleaning snake poo, if you're driving to work. And maybe don't do it while you're driving. Don't take a picture <laughs> while you're driving. It's not allowed. But, you know, if you're sitting there enjoying your morning cup of tea or you're sitting on the back deck having a beer, it's good. Yeah. Uh, I have to um, probably mention a couple of guys too. Is um, Waddles, Waddles Reptiles on Instagram. That young fella came up and had a good yeah, yard. Yeah, shout out to him. him. Yeah, um, uh, Nicholas Desmet. I think we had a good chat to him about leaf tail geckos. Him and his mum, I believe it was, that came up. Yeah, and we're talking yeah, about him, yeah. leafies. He um, he messaged me the other day. I think he's actually getting some aberrants off Rick now because he, he oh, couldn't find stuff. couldn't find what he was after. So I think he's setting up another tank for some uh, for some ciliaris or something. So uh, that's, that's good pretty to hear. cool. Yeah, no, we had a good chat with him and okay. Waters Reptiles. So check out Waters Reptiles and Luke Desmond on uh, Instagram. Yeah, if you're on there. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, there's a few, there's tons of people coming up and giving us some, some awesome feedback. So that was really unreal. Um, yeah. I had heaps of people coming up and telling me I was doing good stuff on YouTube and stuff as well, which, you know, anything that's positive, no matter what you're doing, if you're putting yourself out there, it's hard. People don't realize how hard it is to put yourself out there sometimes, especially like I'm actually really naturally a shy person. I really so I don't mind. I don't do good in crowds. I don't do good in like meeting new people necessarily. So it's something that I almost push myself into things like, you know, this podcast and YouTube. And that was yeah. almost just as like a test to myself to see if I could kind of come out of my shell. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it was a really positive experience on the weekend. And yeah, we had a blast. We were knackered by the end of it though. Hey, we were. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny because if you ever walked around, our table looked like it was chockers yeah. every time. Yeah. But. It's, I think it was more the fact that we were just next to the reptile park and they had the alligator, the, <laughs> they had the snapping turtle, they had the iguana. Yep. I'll, claim that, I'll claim that everyone come to see us, you know. Our table was chockers. We're like two people deep every time. Yeah, it was but, like a queue, queue past our yeah, table to go and have a look past at the our table to go to the reptile park. Yeah. But, um, but everyone stopped and looked at those enclosures. But it's um, it was funny. Everyone's looking for what's in there and... Oh, I feel sometimes bad. I'm like, oh, yeah, so dumb. But sometimes like, I wonder if we should just let them go and see how long it takes them to see and see if they ask. But um, yep. no, it was good. I had to have a laugh. Uh, at one point, I think Zach was holding up that snapping turtle 
you know, for everybody to have a little bit of a look at. And the snapping oh. turtle, I think it had enough, so he kind of released his bells. <laughs> then about, <laughs> you know, Z- Zach, had, uh, Zach had cleaned everything up with uh, with some paper towel or whatever. and To uh, the best degree that he could, so there's still a little bit of stuff everywhere. But... Yeah, and then Jason's <laughs> having a sip of water and drops the bottle cap off his water bottle straight into where that, <laughs> that turtle had just unloaded everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of times I almost put that cap back on my water bottle, oh, it would have been yeah. a bad trip home. Salmonella <laughs> yeah, is not fun. Yeah, I mean, this water tastes funny. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon it was a good 15 times I almost put that lid on. Yeah, it was funny. It was funny watching you yeah. kind of like struggle in the head with like, this is supposed to go on here, but it's been in yeah. snapping turtle poo. Yeah, yeah. No, that was fun. Yeah, yeah, it was a good day. I really enjoyed that day. It was long, but it was good. So, yeah, I kind of wish that I spent a little bit more or got to go and see like the guys with the the birds of prey a little bit more. Yeah, yep, definitely. I had a chat to him in the morning because I was off when I I bought those coffees and I turned around, there's a giant eagle behind me. I'm like, whoa, but um, (laughs) had had a bit of a chat with him while I was ordering a coffee, but yeah, check what's um, I just started following him on Instagram too, but um, they actually do um. Like uh, you can go there and you know free fly and and do all that stuff. Um, oh, that's awesome! So on Instagram, if you after they're called Feathered Friends Animal Productions, so they're a free flight bird sanctuary in Sydney. So they've got they they had hawks, um, eagles. I'm pretty sure I saw an ecchi flying around as well, and a collector's parrot. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, that was, that was awesome. I wish I wish I actually got around there and and could could see the the um where they were set up. But yeah, I'm just so busy, didn't really get a chance to. Yeah, I mean, I was planning to do like a live video and stuff for us during the day and everything as well. Yeah, but it was same. almost like once we started, we almost got pinned down to the <laughs> pinned down to the table. Yeah. Where we couldn't really move. No, it was good. But yeah, because I thought I'll go around and maybe try and interview a couple of the um the breeders and stuff as well get a bit of content for the podcast and even the the social media but yeah it was just just busy it was yeah Yeah, i can't complain it was really good but um yeah really enjoyed it really enjoyed it so it was even hard to kind of you know get a bathroom break in or something like that because as soon as you wanted to walk away there was somebody that wanted to have a good yarn or whatever there yeah yeah no it was good fun though so um and what did you end up doing with your frogs? So the frogs. So yeah, I just haven't seen where they're at. Like, what what are you kind of done with them? So at the moment, I've just got them kind of like a, a temporary setup in a um, Exoterra. Yep. Um, pretty much just kind of basic, really. Um, but I want to do. So I'm probably going to do both enclosures at the same time. So I've got them in an exoterra, pretty basic setup, bit of soil, bit of covering over the soil so they don't get covered in dirt, big water bowl pretty much, yep. fake plants. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, so I'll probably do a, um, like a, a, a similar-ish. I've got a, a bit of um, universal rock, so I might, um, I'll cut that to size, fit some universal rock on the background and then get a couple of plants in there and, I thought about doing like a little paludarium style setup, but I don't, I don't think I'll do that with these guys. I think I'll just do like a nice big water bowl, something easy yeah. to just change out um, all the time. I was actually meant to look at water bowls um, while I was at the expo, but I completely forgot. 
So yeah, I might just do do something similar to what you had you had them set up in. So yeah, it was a pretty like kind that. of yeah pretty basic sort of setup as far as like a a, a frog setup goes. But I just found mm. that having that large Exoterra water bowl was just easier. I could just pull it out, give it a thorough scrub, chuck it back yeah. in, and didn't have to worry about it too much. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Paladarium stuff is really cool, but I, I find that those guys in particular, you don't need to go so heavy on the water area. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I, and for ease of, you know, cleaning and stuff, it might be, especially while I'm a bit busy with work and stuff, it might be a bit more handy having that water bowl set up. So, yeah. And what about you? I saw you um, picked up a couple of critters as well. Yeah, yeah, so the... Uh... Not just your leaf tail geckos? What else did I get? Oh, yeah, I got the um, <laughs> I got Randy. He's already got a yeah. name. Did I tell you that? Yeah, no, he didn't tell me the name, but I, I I know why he's got the name as soon as you said the name. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, uh, Kurt Lamott from K and E Family Reptiles and I, we both both keep Gill and I, Verona Skill and I, and uh, we managed to uh, sort out a swap, a boy for a boy. And um, anyway, I brought the the. The male home and popped him in the enclosure of the night and he's in with another male and another female that they're, they're all yeah. pretty much identical size so it was just kind of worked out yeah. i didn't really have anything else for him to go into straight away and uh as i was kind of working around the garage yesterday i had to have, i stopped and laughed so many times i'm like kurt's gonna kill me for showing showing him this but yeah little randy <laughs> the gillens monitor he's uh he was super keen he was like dragging the female out of the log just to try to get his leg over her, <laughs> pinning her to the ground like this is the first girl I've seen in months, you know, like because yeah. apparently, apparently Kurt had him separated because he was actually one of the smaller ones that was getting bashed by his lot. So yeah. I, I don't know if he was getting bashed or if he was just kind of like not happy in the enclosure or, or what the story yeah. was. But yeah, so he was uh, kind of separated out. I don't think he'd seen another Gil and I for six months or so. So yeah, really excited. Yeah, I'm not expecting anything from it at all because the girl did not look keen like she was still half, <laughs> half asleep <laughs> yeah so um yeah but uh no yeah, that's told, funny told kurt i was like yeah he's got a nickname already yeah shout out to kurt too because he actually hooked up so i organized one of the boys at work he's just got back into reptiles i actually organized uh tristus off him for one of the blokes at work so i got to have that on the table at the expo and look at it and made me really keen on monitors again so yeah the pattern on them is unbelievable when the hatches yeah. hatches yeah. man they're not too bad looking at adults either like they're because obviously i used to own the parents of those yeah yeah that's right yeah. yeah so they the adults are actually reasonably good looking like they're hmm. i don't know what the locality is but they're i, I want to say they're i could be wrong with this the i don't know the actual locality but they're a bit more similar to like the eastern side of tristus tristus like where they're a little bit more kind of like gray throughout the head and they've almost yep. got like a bit of a rusty colored <clears throat> head yeah rather than a black head but then they've still got the black tail so yeah i love those um the black heads the black tail ones i, I think um rob said though the alice springs locale last week I yeah think it was. yeah man if i was ever gonna get tristus it'd be those ones i reckon but yeah for sure yeah but you those should... the kimberleys oh man I keep seeing pictures of Kimberleys everywhere, and I'm like, "Ooh, they're torturous." Man, if it was Pilbara rock monitors, I'd probably have to do it. I'd have to get them for sure if, if we could keep them in New South Wales. Yeah, I'd just do a big back wall, big rock. Man, they're amazing. The color on those when they're hatchy. So, actually, uh, I was speaking to 
to Gavin Mellon today. So Gavin works out at MacArthur Pets. I didn't even know he worked there, to be quite honest. But um, yeah. he, he's also obviously a keen keen monitor guy. Um, yep. And I was kind of hitting him up. I was like, you know, how'd you go with your gill and I? Just seeing if I could kind of get more blood into the, the mix, so to speak. And he's Poor like, oh, Gillen no. I. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and he's like, no, nah, no, nah, there's no luck there this year. I'm not, I've been busy with work. But uh, apparently he managed to crack his Kimbos. And I was like, oh, don't tell me that. Like, <laughs> yeah, good, yeah. It's like, yeah. They're not a cheap monitor, unfortunately. Well, not unfortunately, yeah. but I'm, it's unfortunate because I'm broke. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, same. But, um, yeah, right. they're, they're, that tail on those Kimbos, man, something special. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. Yeah. Every glimpse I get of my guy running around downstairs, Mr. Wiggles, he's um, <laughs> he's a gorgeous-looking animal. I love him too when he's like – sometimes you come down and he's just like sprawled out perfectly along that fake rock wall that Cam made. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just – he just looks so perfect on it. It's just made for him. Yeah, they're absolutely stunning. Just like you can see – where the like the Aboriginal art comes from. Like if you look at the some of the monitors, you can see like like the resemblance of some of the Aboriginal like dot painting art. It's yeah. yeah. It's fantastic. The patterns on those things are amazing. You should um I'll have to send you a photo. I'll have to try to get another good photo of them. It's a bit hard. But the the tristes that I got off Kurt that Kurt gave me. Um yeah. I don't know if it's just the UV or something that's on them because I'm using one of those I think it's a 12% T5 UVB tube above them. But yep. there's like in their back patterns, like they've got all that little fine oscillates and bits and pieces through there, but it's like starting to glow red. Like it's starting oh, to wow. really, really brighten up. So I'm not sure if that's UV related or, or not, but I think they look a little bit different to the ones that he posts photos of. Yep. So I don't know. Yeah, as I said, I don't know. But they're starting to look so stunning. But they're so secretive. Mm. They love hiding up around like the top lip of the the exoterra. They get right up there and wedge themselves under there. Or if they're not yep. in there, they're in one of the cracks that I've made for them and then I can't see them anywhere. I can just see a tail and a head sort of thing. But Yeah. Yeah, they love wedging. Yeah. In. Yeah, I reckon there's something to be said about UV. Like, I mean, you see wild Bradley. Pictures of wild Bradley, and then you see captive Bradley, and it's like chalk and cheese. So, mm. it's definitely yeah. something there. Well, actually, um, I listened to one of the, the one of the monitor keeping podcasts from NPR today. Yep. Um, yep. And it was the, the I think it was the most recent one that they did. I haven't listened to all of them to be quite honest, but it was on UV, and they had a have a guest on there talking about UV and you know different ways of doing it, and you know what it can kind of entail in that and sort of spectrums and bits and pieces and yeah it's really got me thinking about making sure that i've got uv on top of everything which will be a bit of a yeah. slow, slow process but i want to do it I, you know I, I just want to kind of push it to that next level and just try to give everything the option of it for it mm. yeah, yeah I'll, I'll probably do the same with all my stuff i think so i mean i don't want to have a big collection so i'll um you know pretty small one so i think i'll do the same just get the uv on absolutely everything it'll be pretty easy for you to do i reckon yeah yeah definitely oh, so i don't want too much stuff so just don't have the, the room but yeah, at the same time like i want to have larger enclosures and you know instead of keeping them in tubs and everything else i just want to be able to have a, like a nice looking room with larger enclosures good for the animal a bit more space you know so I might even try a bit of co-having down in the future with a couple of smaller stuff in some big tanks. 
I'd like to try that. Like yeah. diff- different species. I'm not talking about the same species. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. I, I would like to try it. I was actually, I was going to, I was thinking about trying it with my large prickly forest skink and my white lip tree frog just because it's mm-hmm. small at the moment. But yep. it's it's rate of growth. I was like, nah, that skink's going to get eaten soon. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, it'd only take a few months and I'd be pulling it out. But Yeah. But, yeah, how are you enjoying the pricklies or the empty enclosure, looking enclosure? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think about a week ago I saw a piece of shed from what looked like his chin. Yeah. Like, and I was like, okay, that's good. He's still there. And then this morning, sign. yeah, this morning I saw a poo. So I was like, okay, <laughs> he's still there. So <laughs> he's eating. <laughs> yeah, he's doing something. <laughs> but no, I haven't seen a bar of him, which is kind of to be expected. Um, yeah. I'm, but I'm, I've got this other little one that I'm growing up that Mitch gave me. So I'm hoping to get that yeah, to kind of right, like yeah. a, a decent size and then chuck him across into there just to see if that makes him a bit more confident. Because I think Mitch's yep. ones, I know Mitch doesn't see him all too often, but. I think they might be a little bit more confident because there's a few of them. Yeah, because I had when I had the two, there was one that I would always see. So if, every time I looked at the enclosure, it'd be on a piece of the bark or you know be out doing something. But then the other one was always hidden. Mm. So the one that you've got there is probably the one that was always hidden. Was I was going to say, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was always there. I, every time I looked at the enclosure, I could see it. Like it just like you know, give me a bit of a look. But as soon as I went to the enclosure, it died under the bark. But you know, I yep. could see it every time I came in, came into the room. So yeah, but they're pretty cool. Those, those. Um, they're a really interesting looking skink. Yeah, you like it. They're yeah. You don't realize that like they have keeled scales. So like you know, you, when you when you look at it. Oh, it looks like a skink, but it's not until you get really close and you realise how interesting they actually look. There's some amazing pictures on um online of those um skinks. Yeah, and they they do actually have some different colours and stuff that come through their flanks. So I think yeah, I think the one that I unfortunately dropped had really nice golden kind of like bars and bits and pieces through it. Yeah, that's that's the one that was always out. Yeah, yeah, that's there you go. But yeah, like if you look on if you just Google prickly forest skink. Some of the pictures that you'll see, like, they look awesome. They look like little dragons almost. Yeah. They're gorgeous little animals. Yeah. But um, actually, I've, I've been kind of, uh, <laughs> I, I do, I've been wanting this species for a while, but I'm really trying to start to make a bit of a push and kind of put my name forward to a few people to try to sort this species out. So if you're out there and you happen to have this species, you might have my pay- next paycheck. Um but yeah, I'm trying to make a push. I want some Agernia depressor. Yep. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah. They're like awesome. They're like Gillen's monitors, but skinks. Yeah. So it's, you know, very similar sort of habitat setups, way of keeping them, all the rest of it. Mm. But I'd really, I'd really, really like to get some depressor. It's been I've probably been wanting these guys for about 18 months, but it's now I'm starting to kind of put my name to a few people going, hey, uh, yeah, next time you get some. Yeah, I was always eyeing them off. Like every time I'd see pe- people post pictures of them a couple of years ago, I was always eyeing them off going, oh, man, they look awesome. I love the red ones. I can't remember. Which were the red ones? They're um, Are they Ep- Epsosaurus uh, or something? I think so. I think so. They were probably my, f- my favorite ones. Yeah. 
See, I do love them. I think they're an absolutely gorgeous little skink. But I want yep. the I want the depressor. I want the tree dwelling ones, so I can still uh, do. Okay. I want the little ground, little ground, brown and grey guys. I want those little yep. tiny, spiky nuggets. Yep. Yeah. So. There's just yeah, man. They're absolutely amazing little um, skinks. Yeah. I think uh, I think Josh is trying to chase some at the moment, actually, as well. He's been kind of playing around with some terrarium setups and stuff, or his vivarium. I think he's got like one of those URS vivariums. That's right. I saw that, and he's changed yeah. the setup probably about eight times now. <laughs> yeah, he's getting everyone's opinions on there and, and yeah. whatnot. But yeah, no, it's good. It's good to see him kind of get the creative juices flowing again. And he's you know he's kind of got a bit of focus there on something that he wants. I think he's been making a few things here and there, and just kind of waiting for the right animals to turn up at the right time. So. Yeah, and that's the thing with some of that stuff. They don't pop up too often. So, uh, you know. Yeah. How, how many babies do they have in a litter? I think it's only small. I want to say it's like yeah, three or two something. Two or three? Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's not many. No. Do it's they like, double? I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't believe they would. I don't know. Do, do skinks that... Cause I, this is this is how much research I haven't done into it. I think they're live birth. If you if yeah, they I'm are. Pretty sure they are. Pretty sure yeah. they are. Um, but yeah, I want to say that it is like maybe max three. If you're really lucky, four. But I reckon more yep. like two or three. Um, and I think it's only once a year. Yeah. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So the only skinks I really kept were the um, prickly forest skinks. Yeah, the only ones that I've really kept anything else. I got the pricklies. Remember? I, I had a blue tongue years ago. Yeah. Have you have you ever bred any skinks? No. Yeah, so I've only bred blotch blue tongues. They're the only ones that I've actually bred. Yeah. Um and I think blue tongues are uh probably in an easier basket than a lot of the other species. I can't with how vicious they are when they mate. Oh, they they're terrors. They can really be horrible to each other. Hey, like I've mm. got even even the girl that I've got left. I'm I'm pretty sure it's a girl. Like she's got some pretty smashed up fingers and stuff like that from from a boy trying to be a little bit overzealous with her. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no skinks skinks can be brutal. Yeah, it always yeah. Ama- it always amazes me how like dragons are brutal, skinks can be brutal, and then you get monitors who are like the biggest baddest you know group of <laughs> lizards, and they're so gentle. So gentle. Yeah. yeah that's and weird. then you got geckos, which are like... Savage. Yeah. yeah. They can be savage as well. Yeah, considering they drop their tails as well. And then, like, I remember remember coming in one night and I could hear this little, like, noise. And I'm like, what's that noise? Anyway, I tracked where the noise was coming from and I turned the light on and it was the chameleon geckos. So the male had actually grabbed onto the female's tail. Yeah. And was like holding a tail and I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's um like a mating behavior or whether it's, you know, some some territorial thing or something or he's accidentally went for a cricket and grabbed a tail. But um, so, yeah, I was like, oh, I don't know what that is. But obviously he let go. She didn't drop a tail. So yeah. it wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything bad. But um, a couple of nights later I heard it again and it was coming up to mating season. So I was like, oh, I just assumed that it might have been some type of mating behavior which is pretty cool. But, um, yeah, the thing is with those, they actually have an interesting tail. So when they drop their tail, it actually makes a squeak sound apparently. Yeah, I think I think I have heard that. Hey, it's like trying yeah. to attract the predator to that 
instead of them. Yeah, instead of them. I've never heard it because mine never dropped their tail, thank God. But, yeah, that'd be – I think Scott mentioned – did Scott mention it on the – maybe it was when I was, I was chatting with him one day. Yeah, I want to say yeah, that – I want to say that he did either mention it on the podcast or prior to the podcast because I'm pretty sure yeah. I remember him talking about it. Yeah, because I remember reading about it before I got him using it. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. But, um, yeah, I don't know whether the regen tail does it. I can't remember if it does or doesn't. But yeah, that's a pretty interesting thing. That um, I think it's the only species of gecko that does it. So that's crazy, hey? Yeah. Did you, when you were keeping geckos, in particular velvets, did you keep your velvets together, or did you have them separated? I kept all my geckos together. Yeah. Every did single you- yeah, every gecko I had, I kept it in either a pair or a trio. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much similar how how I keep my geckos now. I was just kind of curious because uh, my northern velvets, the Castel Naui or Nui or however you pronounce it, I'm horrible with Latin. They I just think it's Naui. Yeah, they're they're constantly biting each other. Like it's like a it's like a missed food response. It's you know they see something move or whatever like that, and they grab yep. each other all the time. From memory, I think mine did as well. From memory, they're pretty. Um, mine were pretty aggro, but yeah, mine are aggro. Yeah, so my Philosopoda didn't. Um, they were pretty chill. Yep. But um, I think from memory that, yeah, my castle now did as well. But, yeah, there was never missing limbs or toes or anything like that. Like it was, um, you know, if that ever happened, I'd separate them straight away. But, um, yeah, that never happened. So, But the majority, like my leaf tails, I'd, I'd keep them in trios all the time. Sometimes I think with my Yberba, I had I just had like a, a – colony almost so there's multiple yep. males and multiple females so um yeah i never had issues with them either they're pretty um pretty good i, I think the leaf tails are a bit more mild mannered like they're yeah they don't, they don't seem to care about each other's presence so much oh, yeah. no that's right the only time they would is if the one was on the wall and the other one would step on it and give it a bit of a growl but that was about <laughs> it so yeah but that's all it went whereas if that was one of yeah. the velvets they'd be trying to tear oh, each other apart on. Yeah. yeah yeah i constantly hear them squeaking at each other because you know one's grabbed it by the midriff or whatever and shaking it around it's a little tr- bit my stroffs were the same particularly i like when i fed so if like you know you chuck some crickets in there you know this one's watching this cricket and then the other one's got the other stroff walks past it and grab it yeah and it um yeah have you ever been gooped on no, no, I haven't. Oh, I haven't yet to see it yet. Man, it is interesting, that's for sure. So, if anyone that doesn't know, Strophurus have like on their tail, they have these glands that secrete like a um, it's like a it, what would you call it? It's like a sticky. It almost looks like tr- tree sap. Sort tree of thing. sap, yeah. yeah. But it squirts out, and it's it's real sticky, and um, it stinks, and it irritates your eyes. But um, yeah, I had. A golden tail do it went all over the glass, all over my hand, and I've had some ciliaris do it. But it's just really interesting to watch. Like I, th- I remember seeing a video somewhere of it in slow motion. I think it's on the internet somewhere. But I'd kept it for a couple of years and never saw it. And then you know it wasn't until I moved into this house and I was in the room quite often because I had a fair few out here that I actually saw it happen. It was it was interesting. But then stupid me didn't wash my hands straight away and i got out and i remember rubbing my eye Ugh. and then for like 20 minutes my eye just felt like i was on fire i'm lucky i've got like a little tap in the back corner so it's just like wash it out but um yeah it's 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 interesting it's like 
It's yeah, it's real cool. But if you go online, you'll be able to Google it and you can see what it looks like. It just looks like you said, it looks like tree sap, but it has an odor to it. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm yet, yeah, as I said, I'm yet to experience it. I kind of like, I don't want to experience it because that means there's been some sort of stress to the animal. But at the same time, I'd yeah. like to see it in person just for the interest's sake. Yeah, it's definitely cool. It's kind of, it's like, it's got like a weird color to it as well. It's, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's mental. Hey, did you mention that you've actually got a like a sink in your little workspace there? Yeah, I do now. Yeah, in the back corner. That's back one right thing. Corner. That's one thing that when I get my own place, a sink is definitely going in the room. Yeah, I kind of wish I had it in the front corner behind the door because I like where the door is. There's like a little little gap. It's probably about five hundred. Yeah. So obviously, when the door's open, you can't like have anything higher. That's where that that um. Um, racket rack was that's behind oh, the door. Yeah. Yep. So I kind of wish it was there and that'd give me a bit more space over the side. But um, but yeah, no, I've got a sink in the back corner now. So I put that in. Yeah, well, it would have been a while ago now, but it's so handy having the water down here. But I've got a little um shut off valve up the front on the house. So basically, you know, when I'm not using it, I can just shut the valve off so there's no water, no pressure, no pressure down here. So. Yeah, that's pretty handy. That's yeah. something that I definitely want to do because at the moment, like, I've got a, a tap that's, like, on the outside of the garage. So, it's still close yeah. by, but it's just like, a, yeah. it's it, you know, I'd much rather be washing bowls or whatever in a sink versus over the lawn. So Yeah, exactly. But I even thought of um, under the sink where the water tap connects, having, like, a, a splitter and just hooking up the misking system directly to the tap. Mm-hmm. So instead of having a reservoir, it just comes straight out of the tap. Water's always there, and because um, you can actually get like a solenoid for the Miss King. Yep. Um, so it basically shuts off like when the timer goes off. It opens a solenoid, and it also kickstarts the pump. So basically, whatever pressure you've got in there, it's not going to bleed through the line through the through the Miss King, and then come out the nozzles. If you actually have a pressurized system, but if you yep. don't have a pressurized system, you don't need it. So because there's no pressure behind the water to push it through the um through the pump so i actually thought of just tapping off it and just hooking up the misking constantly i think i think if i was to do something similar to that what i'd end up doing is actually tapping off the the sink but i'd be tapping it off with a ro system and then i'd have have that going into a reservoir with a float valve just to kind of stop that Yeah, and then that way you've always got fresh water on tap, so to speak. Um, But I don't think you could do the RO system straight to the Miss King just because I think if you were to do a solenoid there, it wouldn't be enough pressure behind it to to open it. Feed out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's what the plumber will probably correct me. Is it like every meter of water head has an atmosphere of pressure, I think? So every, yeah, I think so. Someone will correct me on that. Yeah, there's so basically the however high the water is, is, there's a measurement of how much pressure you get out of that water. Yeah, yeah. So I can't remember what it is. I, I probably just completely butchered that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not sure a plumber. there's someone out there that knows what I'm talking about. So you're not a plumber. You know, no, some, that's somebody right. can correct us and, and educate us. So yeah, exactly. But yeah, so I thought of setting that up um, so I can just, you know, not to top the reservoir up and worry about the water running out. But obviously, at the same time, it's um, 
it's still tap water, so it's got that chlorine in it and stuff and get that calcium buildup on the tanks and on the nozzles. But, um, yeah, it is what it is. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I could just set up an RO system in there as well and just use RO water. It's not hard to do. It's really not yeah. hard to do. And, like, an RO system costs you as little as – like, I've got an RODI system up here that I use for the saltwater tank. And I think that whole system, including the cartridges and stuff to initially get it started, was like 160 bucks or something posted. Oh, is that all? Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. Don't even look at doing that then. Yeah. Have that hooked up to, yeah, with a ball valve or something or even just a, a big tap so I can just turn the tap on and off and fill up a reservoir under the sink. Just leave the re- re- reservoir under the sink there. That might be the go actually. I might look at doing that instead. You should just tap it into the the thing and then just do a reservoir with a float valve. Yeah. And then you've got it there on on call. But yeah, like I just fill it up in the bathtub here. So I just put like a drum of water or whatever in there, like a jerry or whatever. And then mm. just turn it on and I kind of know how many hours or whatever. Like I think it takes me, I think I want to say it's like an hour 45 to make 20 litres. Um, oh, that's not bad. No. Nah. So then I just, I just set an alarm on my phone or whatever. And then I have it in the bathtub. So if it does actually overflow or whatever, it's just at least going down the drain. Yeah. You, you need yeah. somewhere for the wastewater to go as well because it kind of has like yeah. two two outlets. So you got one for your, your good fresh water that you can use and you got one for wastewater that's, you know, no good. So, yeah. Yeah, I might actually look at that. That's not a bad idea. I'll send you some links after the... Uh, yeah. After we get off here. But, uh, That'd be yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah, for your purpose, you just need to go an RO as well. You don't need the DI. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't have to be so so intense. But yeah, yeah like I said, doing doing salt water tanks, you got to worry about your TDS and stuff like that when you're mixing up your salt water. So it needs to be like pure as hell, basically. Yeah, yeah. Just to not annoy corals. So yeah, it did get annoying having to clean calcium off um, misking nozzles though. Yeah. I just soaked vinegar water. Mm. It seemed to do the trick. So, but um, yeah. I don't think I've had to clean my nozzles yet. You're using RO water, though, are you? Yeah, but I mean, yeah, the last couple of months I've Every been a bit lazy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, after our chat, whenever it was two two episodes or whatever ago, I just thought, you know, bugger it, I'll just fill it up and start doing the RO again. So that might just kind of flush out any yeah. calcification anyway. Yeah, it probably takes a while for it to build up anyway. So because I think. I ran it for a while with just tap water and it was months yeah. before there was anything. But it wasn't – it was only like one or two nozzles that were affected, but I just took them all out, cleaned them all. Yeah. So just did it all in one go. Tell you what, I'm definitely feeling fancy at the moment. I got one of those new Fandangle <laughs> uh, LCD timers for the Misking system. So It looks good in your room, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I'm not – I feel like I'm out of the dark ages with the old timer. Yeah. Yeah, the old, the old. I was, it was still digital, I think, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, it yeah, was. It still yeah, was the digital. old one there. Yeah, but it was on the, it was on the plug. Whereas this one actually connects into the pump. The pump connects through it. Yeah, and then you got that cord to run the screen out to wherever you want it. So originally, I had my, the old timer was like right on top of the rack. So if I wanted to go and manually turn the water on or anything like that, I had to get a ladder and kind of move some stuff out of the way and go and yeah. press press a few buttons or whatever and stay there while. It and did I think now, thing. if you do is press one button, day and then it comes on. Yeah, you hold the hold the up button for five seconds. That's and then right. Yeah, it lasts water until you let it go. Yeah. So. Yeah, 
No, it's a nifty little timer. But see, I've got to get up to the times and get some of these Grid Connect power boards that you keep talking about. So, Oh, man. I've still got like, I've got like a box of them in my car. So that's actually one thing that I'm going to do on this Boyd's enclosure. I think I think I may have decided to not use that aquarium light that I was talking about. You know how I was saying like it's got like that ramp up, ramp down fixture. Yeah. I'm thinking I might just save that for a rainy day when I do decide to set up a freshwater aquarium again if I've got a bit of space. Yeah. But um, what I am going to do is I'm going to set up this Boyd's enclosure on its own Grid Connect power board and then yep. have different down lights come on at different times and then also have one for the UVB. So I can mm-hmm. kind of, you know, instead of running the UVB for 12 hours a day or whatever like that, I can run it for like or seven something. or something like that, you know, yeah. Yeah, just try to get a bit Very. more light out of my globe kind of mm. peak it too. So with the down lights, because they've got those different spectrums in it, I might kind of have like one of them come on at that kind of like 3,200 Kelvin or whatever for an hour or so and then have the other LEDs come on for another two hours and then have the UV come on for like the peak of the day and then yeah. do the opposite back down. So it's still kind of like a ramp. It's just not as pretty. But, um, yeah, you know, it's still going to give that kind of effect to the, the terrarium. Yeah, that's not a bad idea, actually. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I saw the the picture you sent me with the cutouts on the on the lid. I was wondering what they were all for, but it makes sense now. So, yeah, yeah. So there should be that kind of like for the people at home. Essentially, imagine it's kind of hard to explain. So there's kind of like four downlight holes, two on either side of like the long length of the piece of wood, and then two in the middle. But there's kind of one right on top of another one. So Maybe I should chuck up a photo or something like that on our Facebook page just so people aren't hella confused yeah. by this. Um, but, yeah, one of those middle lights I'll use is like that kind of initial sunrise spectrum, so a little bit more of a warmer warmer colour. Mm. And then the rest of them I'll have kind of come on at a bit of a bit of a more intense colour just for less time. But, yeah. Yep. I'm keen. I'm keen. I'm going to get the rest of the timber, I think, for it on, I want to say Monday or even Sunday I might get started on it. Yeah, I want to try to get the box at least built, and maybe even the foam siliconed into place, like just like the bare sheets and stuff, siliconed into place. Hopefully by the end of the weekend for me. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so I want to good. make. I want to make a start. I want to make a solid start. Yeah, I'm still 50, 50, 50 whether to make a background or to buy a background. So I'm still tossing up what I want to do. So. I think I'm in the world where at least I've got a little bit more time than you've got. Yeah. So I'm time limited. So like, yeah, work and, you know, I'd be doing it at like 10 o'clock at night and then I've got to get up at 4 o'clock or 10 to 4 in the morning. So yeah. I'd be living off like four hours sleep and bloody um, foam fumes. So. I, st- I, still reckon, <laughs> I still reckon you could do it. Like if you – like because – if you came home one day, you silicon all your your foam panels or whatever into place, that's that for the day, you know? Yeah. That's not going to take you too long. You can bang that out in half an hour probably. Then yeah. the ne- next day you come home and you start on a bit of carving, you know, you do that for half an hour. Next day mm. you come home, finish off the carving, and then you just whacking coat after coat on there. So, you, you know, maybe an hour a day. Like I think even in your circumstance, if you could allow, you know, even if you did it over the course of two weeks and you allowed three nights where you put an hour's work into it, yeah, you could do something that's custom. Yeah, 
I'm still, yeah, I'm thinking about that. I was at Bunnings the other day and I was looking at the foam and, and all the bits and pieces and that. So it was, um, yeah, it was tempting. So something <laughs> different that's, you know, it's not the same as a bought one. So, and they're pretty expensive, those bought ones too. So, yeah. And then it's you, you know what I mean? Like yeah, you, right. you can be proud, you can get creative. Yeah. No, and me, I'll be looking at one bit and I'll go, oh, bloody hell, look at that piece. I might even get my son and daughter to paint some of it or something too. So at least they've had a little bit of input in it as well. So Get them to do some like mad cool. flecking with a toothbrush through it. I think Luke was talking about that paint technique. I saw him talking yeah. about that somewhere online. I think it was one of the DIY. In a comment or something. Yeah, I yeah. saw the same one. He'd love that. I'd have flex everywhere. I'd have a flex on the bloody front perspex. I'd have flex on the floor. I'd have flex on the ceiling. <laughs> just t- nothing but the back. Just tape, tape and newspaper everything from the background yeah. and just let him go mad on it. <laughs> yeah, no, he'd love that actually. He'd actually, I might actually do that. Yeah. I think um, uh, I'm kind of kicking myself that I, I didn't do that on the, the Leaftail Gecko enclosure, the one that I recently did. The, um, I like those little like lichen bits you put on there. They're pretty cool. So, yeah, that's that good fun. Um, but yeah, that would be mad, especially for like granite. Like I think granite, yeah, would be unreal doing that kind of flecking technique. I think yeah. you might have just sold me, Luke. We might have to get Bunnings on the weekend, get some fun. I well, think I mean, I'll just do the back wall though. I think, or maybe, maybe just the back and a side. I'm thinking. Yeah. Not the whole not the whole lot. I don't know. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I, I've got a few where I'm like, oh, I wish I just did the back wall. But I think for the exoterras, like the reason that I was doing a lot of the sides and stuff on those in particular is because they are a smaller terrarium, at least that gave yeah. like more dimension for the animal. Yeah, so I want to be able to use a lot more. I mean, I know they'll, they'll still climb the, the back wall, but, you know, I don't know. I'm thinking this one, I might either just do one wall or just the back wall, so... Yeah, well, I mean, even if you did the back wall, then at least you got a nice backdrop when you're looking at it dead on. And you're going to have yeah, exactly. tons of upright branches and bits and pieces in there anyway. Yeah. So there'll yeah. be a lot of stuff in the foreground. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I might actually do that, see if I've got a bit of time and get some of those sheets and silk them together and see how we go. So, With your enclosure too, like, oh, no, you've already silkened the enclosure, haven't you? I was going to say, like, if you could take the front panel off, so then you could kind of like pre-carve a lot of your stuff outside of the terrarium and then put it in? I still could. Just got to run a standing off of it and I'll be good to go. But um, It's more yeah. just a pain because you've already done it. So I haven't silicon the top though. Ah, okay. So you can drop, drop it down. I could, so the way it screws together, it screws together the sides screw to the front and the back. Yep. And then the bottom and the top screw basically close it all in. So that screws to the sides and the front and the back. So basically, I didn't silicon the joins on the top. Yep. So that way, it saves me having to cut plugs off light switches, lights, yep. everything else. I can just unscrew it, lift it up, feed the cable through because there's a notch in there. Yep. And um, screw it back down. So because obviously the water's not going to leak out the top. So no. um, So yeah. So I could I could actually just take the top off, slide it down in. Yeah, that's a no-brainer then. I'd be building it outside of the paint. Yeah. Yeah. So, or at least, doing the, at least doing the majority of the carving outside the tank and then you can just drop it in and do your painting on the inside. So then you can mm. kind of get right into the corners and stuff so then you're not going to end up with any crickets or anything behind it or... Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And I might even, yeah, so I might, I might even look at doing that actually. So a bit of a nighttime project when everyone goes to bed. Yeah. I reckon I'm going to be, I think this is going to be the first build and in, in particular because it's a bigger build, I'm going to start buying some of those 50 mil sheets. So they're like the thicker foam sheets just to kind of bulk it out a little bit more this this one but yeah i'll probably i'll probably buy those ones i think because i don't want it i'll have i'm thinking i'll have maybe like a bit of a rock bulge here and there but some of it i'll just have some stuff carved in it's not so deep it's a yep. little bit thinner and and all that so we'll see how we go but yeah i'll probably buy some of those thicker sheets and um maybe a couple of the thinner ones and i might just yeah have a play around with it so Oh, you know, at least if you're kind of carving it outside the enclosure and you're, you're not liking what you're getting or whatever and you just go, oh, stuff it. It's not like you've siliconed everything in already, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. It's not a bad idea. Stick it together with some toothpicks and some silicon. Yeah. That Gorilla Glue works amazing on that foam hay. So I'd definitely get some of that. Oh, does if it? Yeah, if you're going to be sticking foam to foam, that Gorilla Glue, yep. that's just like... Like, I don't know if it like melts it together, but it just seems like it just, it's so sturdy after that. So, yeah, I, yeah, I just use, I just use the silicon just to do it to the back, back walls and things. I can't remember yeah. if Cam does. I want to say that Cam actually just uses the Gorilla Glue for everything, but I could be wrong there. But yeah. Yeah. That, right. Actually, that was really cool to meet, um, on, on, at the expo to meet, uh, what's Greenies? his name? Green, yeah. Um... Green, Greenies Enclosures. And uh, wildfire. wildfire bearded dragons, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I knew it was wildfire something because I remember seeing the jumper. Yeah, so the guys at Wildfire they build tons of enclosures and then Granny fits them out with those custom backgrounds in them. Yeah, so it's a bit of a bit of a solid effort that those guys are pulling off. Sounds like they're churning through some enclosures, that's for sure. Yeah, it sounded like it sounded like they were real busy, so but um, it was. Yeah, it was interesting to have a chat with him. So, and see, um, you know, because was he the one that came up with the tile pointing? Yeah, as far as I'm aware, yes. So he yeah. he then kind of palm, not palm. He gave the idea to Cam, and then Cam kind of ran with it, set up his YouTube and stuff like that. So I think that kind of just made it a little bit more in the limelight. Mm. Um, and then Cam obviously is the one that educated me on that. So it's kind of been passed along, but. Man, it's a hell of a product. I really like it. Hey, like I even had, who was I speaking to? It was only like today or, or yesterday. I think somebody had made a custom background for themselves, but they did it out of grout and they were complaining about it because they were like, man, I just spent so much time doing this grouted background and it's just it's just cracked on them, the poor buggers. So it's just like, yeah, you know, not bad. Like it was just like little hairline fractures, but they just... They were pretty shitty with it. They were going, you know, this isn't exactly what I, you know, spent a lot of time on it. But yeah, yet to see that from the tile pointing, it just seems to be a bit more rubberized. Yeah, it's a little bit flexible. So yeah. I think that was actually someone at the expo that came up to have a chat with us that said that. Yeah. Because yeah, I remember hearing that as well. So yeah, I've, I never did the grout. I did, I did use cement, like really watered down cement on making some termite mounds ages ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found the same thing. Like it just, just cracked everywhere, and you can see little grey, grey cracks everywhere from where the um, cement was exposed. But yeah, um, but yeah, no, that's um, it's such yeah. If, if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Mm. 
Like it's it's kind of like even when it's been on like on the tiles and the pointing, it's still got a little bit of flex in it too. Because obviously with your ceiling, I mean your tiles, they'll expand and contract with the weather. So if you just had um, like a solid um, concrete, it'd crack soon. Like one day, it'd be cracked after it's set. Yeah. So you go through your cold morning, and then it expand and then crack. So it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. It's a really good idea. Yeah, it's a hell of a thing. I'm really enjoying mm. it. It's cheap too. Like, yeah, it's not, yeah, not expensive at all. It's like 40 bucks for a 10 liter bucket. Yeah. So it's not too bad. How many closers did you get out of a 10 liter bucket? If I was doing like a, just kind of like most, most of my enclosures are kind of like that 45, 45, 60 exoterra, I'd get like mm. close, close to three out of a bucket. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah. And then so your foam pieces would be, they're a couple of bucks. Oh, what are they like? 20 bucks a piece or something yeah so for the 30 mil one which is 12 so it's 30 mil by 1200 by 600 i think they're 1250 and then i think yep. the the 50 mil one i want to say that's like 21 to 25 dollars something like that it's a bit yeah. more expensive just because of the thickness but yeah like at the end of the day like when you verse it something like uh like universal rock for example it's a hell of a lot cheaper yeah, especially when you start talking some of the bigger pieces. So. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking time, like obviously it's going to cost you time. So how much is your time worth to you? But yeah, exactly. You know, if you want something unique, it's um, yeah, it's not just yeah, one off and something you made too. So when you sit back and look at your enclosure, you you've made it. So yeah, I get a mad kick out of that. Like I'm a really creative person. Like and I, I like just doing things with my hands. Like that's my kind of piece. You know, I like. Mm like kind of creating things and be able to sit down and sit back and kind of go, oh, that looks really cool. I'm so happy yeah, I did that. I th- like it's, I think I will do that, you know, and then I can get the, the kids' personal touch on it too. Like, yeah. So, you know, something, you know, that, that enjoy. My son loves painting, so I might even just let him go wild with, you know, after watching um, the Natural Herb Keeper, their um, Instagram, you know, with a black to do the, um, or even the, even the brush, he'll go nuts with that brush. So. Yeah. And that way they've got their little twist in it as well. So when he's a bit, you know, a bit older, I go, oh, you helped dad build that. So Yeah, exactly. I tell you what, my son's face when I FaceTimed him at the expo. So yeah. now every so he's FaceTimed me the last two days in a row. He's like, Daddy. I go, Yeah, buddy. He goes, See snakes. I go, Oh, there's no snakes at work, buddy. He goes, Daddy, see snakes. I go, mate, there's, there's no snakes. He goes, Mummy, here you go. And here's the phone up to, to his mom because I don't have snakes. I'm like, oh, I want to just have a chat with you in the morning because I FaceTime every morning and my yeah. daughter. I'm like, I want to have a chat with you in the morning, but no, he just wants to see snakes now. So you've created my missus. Yeah, my missus got the phone. I'm like, oh, maybe I can get some more snakes. And she just looks at me and she's <laughs> definitely my green tree python. So I want to get back into green tree python. So that's a definite. But um, but yeah. Yeah, he loved it. So I was walking around and because we had the reptile park next to us, I was sending him pictures of the um, alligator and the, the snapping t- tortoise and then FaceTimed him and had a quick walk around, showed him the um, thorny devils. That's the first time I've ever seen thorny devils. So that was unreal. Yeah, they're, they're pretty pretty cool, hey? Yeah, and it was cool to see um, the, the picture when he was saying the, he just dove his head straight into the soil because he saw something that scared him. Yeah. So. But, um, it must have been one of those birds of prey that were flying around. 
It would have to be. It would yeah. have to be. Yeah, so uh, what what Jason's talking about here is we were kind of just having a chat as we were wrapping up the day with with Rex from the Alice Springs Reptile Center. And yeah. uh yeah, the the birds of prey, I think they were kind of a couple of times during the day they were allowed to, you know, do a couple of hot laps of the the stadium because it's a pretty high roof stadium. Yeah, one of these thornies had just shoved his head straight into the ground and kind of got that fat pouch at the back of his neck right up, to, you know, the false head. And uh, mm. he, he hadn't moved for a while by the sounds of it, Rex was saying. Yeah, he's so. still, I think he was still there when yeah. we were chatting to him, so he's still in the same position. But the other one was just basking away and no <laughs> idea what was going on. So He was right cool, under that. Yeah. That was so cool to see them. Man, I'd love to see them in the wild. But... um. Oh, that was one thing that killed me. Like I got up for, yeah. I think four, four or five mornings in a row. At like you know, before the sun was even up, I was in the car, like starting to drive out from the hotel and everything. And yeah, yeah you just find like <laughs> just bodies. It was horrible. It was yeah, really that's yeah, yeah. You hear that a lot. So they, they must be pretty abundant, considering how many people have seen dead ones. But um, I mean, you know, it's still a shame that they're getting. But in saying that, I'd, it'd be interesting to see, you know, what effects the wildcat population's having on them as well because I know they're having an effect on a lot of the reptiles. But, um, Man, I reckon I saw between 30 to 40 sand monitors on the side of the road, yeah. like dead. Wow. Yeah. Didn't see one live one, but they were the sandies were everywhere, everywhere. That's crazy, yeah. And from like reasonably fresh to, you know, old. Like not much yeah. left of them, sort of thing. But that's like driving home on the M1. I've seen some absolutely cracker diamond pythons dead on the side of the road, and that's on the freeway. So it's like it's cliff face, pretty much both sides, and then on the side of the road, there's absolutely like like if it was a um if it was a captive, it'd be classed as like a high yellow, like yeah, just you know squashed on the road. Gosford locale, yeah, that's a famous like- Gosford locale. So, but yeah, it's a shame, absolute shame. Uh, that was uh, that was really brutal going out there because like I saw so many good animals just gone. Like it was like maybe a a five foot, you know, perfectly banded wamer python that was just like everywhere over the road. Yeah, and like uh, I saw like the blackest black headed monitor that was just you know didn't have its head left essentially. Um. Centralian blue tongues. Saw a few of those in Smash. Um, I didn't see any parentes of any sorts. I didn't see yeah. any netted dragons either. Everyone was telling me that netted dragons are just going to be like a plague. Like I yeah. didn't see one netted dragon, but um, yeah, the amount of wildlife that I saw crushed was was pretty pretty heartbreaking. Yeah, it is, and especially like especially some of the stuff that you know, like even Scott said when we had Scott on, he hasn't seen a thorny devil. He saw. An, He's, he's seen up a dozen dead ones, but hasn't seen a a live one in the wild. So, and he said that he'd been out there like over a dozen times or something as well. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I mean, I've obviously haven't been out as a lot of you guys listening know, but you know, it's something I want to do a bit more. But I'd love to just see one of those thorny devils in the wild. Them leaf tails and green tree pythons and chameleon geckos—they're probably my. Once I tick them off, then I'll have another unique species, and because I follow a lot of um. A lot of uh, wildlife photographers on Instagram, a lot of good, really good herb photographers, and every time I see their pictures up, man, I just like, oh, it just makes me want to go out and take pictures. But um, yeah, I just don't have the time. But um, 
some of the pitch is absolutely amazing. It, it, it is awesome to go out and, you know, kind of experience an animal and that, but it's one, like, mm. like even yesterday when I, w- I sent you those videos of where I was, like that was just like so refreshing just to go out and get out into the bush. Mm. Like where I was was, it was, it was, it's kind of in the heart of suburbia, but it's kind of like a wetland in the, the middle of suburbia. So you can still get into mm. the center of this wetland and there's no tracks or anything. It's just you are in a, yeah. a, a you know, temperate rainforest essentially and I yeah. perched up on a rock for half an hour and just sat down and listened to the bellbirds and that's cool yeah it's so good doing that see i'm pretty lucky because i'm i'm super close to a rimba state forest yeah like that's probably 10 minutes up the road and that's just like a rainforest so yeah. i've got some good walking tracks in there like obviously main walking tracks but um you know it's good to just get out there and have a walk and see. Like, I always keep an eye out for angleheads. Apparently, there's a few in there, but I've never seen any. I've been walking in there a few times, but always keep an eye out for some, hoping I'll find some, but, yeah, never do. Just like Rob's Boyd's. Apparently, they're there, but... <laughs> he hasn't seen them. He's got around the trees. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what they're doing. I'm probably walking and I just don't realise they're behind the tree because, like, just having these Boyd's that I've got here that I've had for, like, a week... It's, um, yeah, like they've all shuffled around now because obviously I've got the light on in here, so they're obviously asleep, but they've all shuffled around to the backsides of the yep. branches. And like, yeah, you, you can't see them. You might just see a little bit of a toe or a little bit of a knee sticking out, yep. but if you're, in the, if you're in the forest, you wouldn't pick that knee right. like Milo if you didn't know what you're looking for. But, yeah, some of them prefer skinnier branches too, I've noticed as well. Like I've got like just all different size branches in there. Some of them prefer the real thick ones and some prefer real skinny ones. Like they just don't even bother with the thicker branches. So they're the ones you'd see because you see the knees poking out the side and the, the claws just poking out the side as well. So, Well, they are funny little critters. I, I suppose yeah. you've got them in a reasonably simple setup at the moment, right? Like there's no like plants yes, or anything yeah. in there really. It's just, just fake plants. Yeah, 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 and fake plants. I've got fake plants in there, but, um, but yeah, so I can't wait to get this planted up. But, um, yeah, I've still one of them's sulking a little bit, so I've separated her and um, basically put her in an enclosure, lined all the wall, like it's the walls already all lined. I've covered the front. She seems to be picking up, so she hasn't really eaten much, but um, she's definitely better than she was when I got her the first few days. So that's good. So yeah, that's yeah. a a thing with these these guys. So yeah, unfortunately. Oh, when mm-hmm. when I got mine, so your yours yearlings. When I got mine from Cooper, they were they were pretty young. They were still babies, and yep. when I, when I got them, I I whacked them straight into like a big bio setup. So the amount yeah. of time that I spent looking at that, going, oh fuck, I've lost them. Where the hell are they? Because like they just yeah. blend so well. And then I was, I'd have to sit there some mornings for like ten minutes just trying to find this these little boids, and then it would literally be in like the branch in front of me or something like so yeah. obvious. And I'm like, how did I miss that? You know, yeah. searching all these little nooks and crannies going, it must be in here, but not right in front of my face. I think the other thing too as well that um, might have benefited from you is the temperature. So you might have gone from like pretty much the area that they've found it in the wild to to down here. So yeah. the temperature of a nighttime would be easily 10 degrees, 10, 15 degrees different, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. And if so they're... that's... They would have been raised in that temperature too, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. So, 
that's probably that's probably the main thing. The other three have like powering along. They just the the smaller of the three, so just keep an eye on and keep doing what I'm doing. So yeah, it's all you can do. Exactly, exactly. Have you have you been it's, offering her any different foods or anything? Yeah, I've tried some crickets. She's eaten a couple of crickets. Yeah, offered her some um, mealworms. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna try some woodies tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and then I might even see if I can get some earthworms just out of the garden or something tomorrow as well, and just chuck them in a bowl so they don't bury into the substrate. Yeah. I wish you can see them wiggling and stuff, but um, she's perched now, which is good. She's been perched the last few days, so that's good. Just right near the um near the UV, so she's not sitting on the ground anymore. So that's a, a good sign. I'm just limit my activity in this room to very minimal so I don't disturb her as well. So Yeah. Uh, that's all you can do. I think I think one of mine I want to say one of mine, I think it was the female that I got because I kinda I bought a male off coop and then mm. it was like two weeks later I was like or no it was like a month later I was like these things are bloody cool. I need a girl. Um yep. just because they obviously they're sex, sexually dimorphic as well so they do look different. So I think that's quite cool about this species. Um yeah. but yeah when I got the girl I want to say that she from memory, I think she took like a week or, or something to start eating. Like she didn't sulk. She didn't like go down to the ground or anything like that. But yeah, she did take a little bit of settling in. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's, she's definitely picking up. So that's a good sign. So oh, that's good. I'm not going to pretend like I can know what I'm doing. I just, you know, ask people that know. Well, dude, these things happen. Like, I don't know if I said it on yeah. here if I was when, when I was talking to you in person or anything. But yeah, I bought an adult female frilly. And. Mm. Like that move killed her. Like it physically killed her because, like, she just ended up sulking here into nothing. Like, no matter what I tried to do, I tried all different foods. I tried, you know, changing up the enclosure in in, in the sense of you know blacking out the the window and everything like that, so she felt like secure in the box and all the rest of it. But yeah, no, she ended up dying. So yeah, it's yeah. just one of those things. But that's why I mean, I'm trying as much as I can, obviously. So yeah, and let's just keep you picking up. If you do, then you've done everything in your power. Like some animals yeah, exactly. are just so sensitive. Yeah, she's kind of shimmering around the branch now. So she probably knows I'm talking about her. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, awesome. Oh, cool, cool, man. Well, this has been a good catch up. What do you reckon we uh, call it here? I reckon. Sounds good to me. And I'll might feed these frogs. Except they'll take a couple of crickets. So, if they don't, I don't know what would be wrong with them because they have been <laughs> yeah. like eating machines. Yeah. Ho- hopefully, they don't ch- keep trying to grab each other because sometimes they try to like <laughs> grab one of the other Eat ones. They think it's a cricket, and then they start sucking on the legs or something like that. <laughs> yeah, like just. No, they're pretty cute. So, anyway, all right. Well, I'll let you wrap it up, eh, mate? Awesome. I'm looking forward to next week. Next week got a really good good guest coming on. That's all. Yeah, no, I'm really looking for that one. Yep, that's well, all we'll, we'll, le- we'll leave the listeners wondering who it is, and we'll uh, yeah, let that happen. In. Happen naturally, but uh, yeah. yeah, I'm really excited for that one. I haven't, I, I haven't talked to him personally. Like, I like you know, obviously with this sort of communication, voice to voice, but you know, I haven't yeah. talked to him over the internet. So yeah, same, same here. So really exciting to get that one on. Well, um, next the next few weeks we've got lined up. I'm, I'm excited for all of them. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I might have to see if we can, 
you know, instead of us just doing so many hangout sessions, you know, as much and as I'd, I love yeah, talking to you, maybe, maybe we try to squeeze oh, yeah. someone in after this next one and kind of get through. I'd be happy with guests for the next few weeks if we had them lined yeah. up, so it doesn't bother me. I think that's possible with the amount of people that are keen to come on. So, yeah, yeah I reckon. We'll, we'll sort something out and keep all these listeners entertained, no doubt. Yep, that's right. All right, guys. Well, without any further ado, we'd like to say a massive thanks to Eric and Owen and the rest of the NPR crew for having us. If you'd like to contact them, it's best to find them at moreliapythonradio.com and email that, them at info at moreliapythonradio.com. As far as contacting us and our social media platforms, you can email us at australianhopetoculture at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To see more of what Jason is doing, make sure to follow him at Facebook and Instagram on at <laughs> The Gecko Effect. For myself, you can find me on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Patreon, Teespring under Beaches Scaly Beasts. We hope you hope to have you back next week for another episode of the Australian Herpeticulture Podcast. Good night, guys. Good night. <laughs>